How's it, guys? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. Almost always. Pretty damn good day today, though, Ronnie. Yeah, you seem you walked in here all chuffed. I'm in a very good mood. Bok jersey, Bok team, found out the swimming pool is now hot and I can train in winter. What a winner. What a winner, I'm sure. So, busy weekend, I got you through to Hearties. We got a nice big screen TV up there now to watch the World Cup. Yes, so if anybody needs a place to watch the game, just come to Hearties. I'm not going to tell you exactly where because you'll just be able to see the TV from anywhere. Yep. Went a little bit ridiculous. It is an 85-inch TV, but well worth it. That Yibin's life-size now in the living room. Yeah, scary. Though. Scary. I want to rewatch that Yibin versus Ala Alatoa. It'll be like the National Geographic Channel. It'll knock the TV off the wall. <laughs> so yeah, we had that. Unfortunately, the TV bracket I bought was a bit too flimsy, though. Friday night, luckily, we were still holding the TV when we hung it up on the wall because the bracket broke. Yeah, yeah, it did. We got very close, but... Uh... Walked away, and we were happy days. I'm surprised you haven't chirped me yet for dragging you through to Brits on Saturday morning to the game there. The no, only TV bracket they had. A shout out to Impala Slaches and Butchery. That's uh, why I really wanted to go there. And that was fantastic. They make great biltong. Yeah, that biltong was bloody delicious. What was it? Soot during... Soot during chili bites. Oh, that was bloody delicious. So yeah, shout out to them. We'll definitely be back there in Hearties getting the biltong before we watch the rugby. I have something to bring up before we discuss and get into this podcast. Oh, no. So, you have a heat map of all our listeners around the world. I do. All right. So, you know, just uh, everybody knows we don't know exactly where your home is. We can't track you and find you and stalk you in the night. How's it, Ted? <laughs> there on 3 Elm Street, USA, Florida. <laughs> okay. But what we do know is we've got a general heat map of where our listeners are from. And we've got a couple of interesting places that people listen from, right? We do. We've definitely got a couple of interesting. And we're incredibly interested in the listeners from Sevu Fiji. From Sevu Fiji. So if you are from Sevu Fiji, please send us a message. We absolutely want to get in touch with you. We've we've got to know why and and what life is like out there and what the rugby landscape's like. Yeah, so I mean just to put it into perspective, Sevu Fiji is our third highest listeners in a city. On the podcast, which is unbelievable. You guys beat Pretoria, which is where we're from. Cape Town is ahead of you. But guys, we would absolutely love to hear from you. We'd love to know what the rugby landscape is there, how it looks. Do you play? How did you find the podcast? Just please, guys, it would be lacquer to hear from you. There's a couple of other interesting countries too. Belize. Yeah, we found out now we've got a new listener from Belize. So are you a South African? We'd love to hear that too. Are you just there for holiday or, you know, what's, what's going on there? And also Ukraine. Ronnie, we have a couple of guys listening from the Ukraine. Yeah, that's amazing. It's truly incredible. So guys, if you're from one of the the smaller corners of the world and you wouldn't normally, or people wouldn't normally think that you'd be listening to a South African pod, please do get in touch. It would be really epic if you guys to share some photos with us and, and just your stories. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Ronnie. Here come me boca. Here come me boca. Okay. Absolutely. Let's just touch on the rugby championship. But before we go there, actually, guys, some of you may have seen on the socials, I was on Max's show this weekend, the black jersey, Mm. joined by Max and Lackey there from Scrum Bags. Had a lack of time with them. We will definitely be bringing you some some more content from them in the lead up to the World Cup. But we chat a little bit about this, and I think we need to dive into it a bit here, Ronnie. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely, before the next collab that you do with them, you've got to work on your, your video face. My video face, yeah. I think as you put it, you can clearly see I'm a podcaster. 
Yeah, no, you're not not a vlogger, and uh, you've just got to smile a bit more, I think. Yeah, I'm used to frowning at the nonsense that comes out of your mouth, that's why. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie. So, let's take a look then. The Rugby Championship, it's kicking off this weekend. Los Pumas will be hosting the All Blacks. Springboks will be hosting the Wallabies. So, let's take a look. The Los Pumas, coached by Michael Checker, another Aussie there. They've named a fairly large squad, five hookers in the squad. That's immense. It's almost like our 17 scrum halves. Yeah, no, they, so they are prioritizing hookers over anyone else, but 48-man uh, squad, I believe. Yeah, which is pretty large. Checker casting the net quite wide. Great to see a call-up for your good friend, Augustine Creevy. Yeah, and uh, he is a legend. He is a legend, and he is set to become the first Pumas player to reach 100. Really? 100 test caps on the way for him. And it'll be against us if he plays all three in the championship. Wow, he deserves it. He's he's a legend of the game, definitely. And he gave me a thumbs up when I watched him down in Durban. So, special shout out to Augustine. Yeah, good to see from Los Pumas. I think Czech is going to rotate the squad quite a bit in an attempt to build some depth ahead of the, the World Cup. You know, they've got a real chance of making it there with the pool draw that they have. And he'll be looking to make sure that they have the personnel available. Kremer obviously serving a five-week ban at the moment, so he won't be available for a lot of the tests. Lavanini likely to get banned, <laughs> so he'll probably yeah. be unavailable for a lot of it as well. Then, Ronnie, over to the All Blacks. All Blacks, interesting, right? There's a lot of discussion, I suppose, that happened on your 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 vlog with, with the black jersey. Yeah, so, I mean, the All Blacks are less settled side than we're used to, suffering a lot of major injuries at the moment. Guys with niggles, that'll be unavailable. And I think this is probably the most vulnerable All Blacks will be facing Los Pumas. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, Los Pumas, you've got another shot at taking All Blacks' gulp. Absolutely. And it'll be very interesting to see where DMAC fits into this. Yeah. He's had a stellar Super Rugby season for the Chiefs. He is the only 10 that's remaining in New Zealand after the World Cup. Yeah. And, you know, this is his chance to make a statement for the All Blacks. So you've definitely been a big fan of DMAC over the last months and years. And I think I disagreed with you a number of times saying, look, I don't think he's going to make the squad because, you know, Richie and Bowden, you know, they are two choice tens. DMAC, honestly, just watching him in, in this is super rugby. Fantastic. DMAC's absolutely my favorite player. Who can forget him knocking the ball on at last <laughs> to let the Springboks win? <laughs> yeah, we were at the, I think that was the last test they played in South Africa before the last World Cup. So yeah, absolutely. good omen having DMAC back, Cheetahs winning, you know, here we go. Was that there? Was that not when the Springboks beat them in New Zealand in 2018? It very well could have been. But regardless, it regardless, was when we he, he knocked it on 10 meters from the line. I think the, the ball got dislodged in a tackle and we won the game. So we won. We won. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but the Springboks beat the All Blacks. And the Griffins beat the Bulls. <laughs> and the Griffins beat the Bulls. <laughs> and yeah, Ronnie. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what sort of side the All Blacks put out in this fixture. Ian Foster, not under pressure anymore. Everyone knows he's leaving at the end of the season. Still pressure. How does that affect the team's mentality, though? No, for sure. And we've spoken about that before. Announcing the coach, the Springboks did it as well with Shark Nina, I believe. So... I don't, I don't quite like that, but suppose it's, if they don't announce it, it's going to come out some way anyway. I suppose it's going to depend on how you embrace something like this, because if Foster's clever, you know, he'll go to all the players that are leaving. You've got Ardy going, Whitelock, Guzzler, they're all leaving. He'll say to them, boys, let's have one hell of a send off here mm. and use that as a motivating factor. If you don't talk about it, you let it fester, it could be the team's undoing. Absolutely. So it's all going to depend on the mentality they approach this with. 
Then for me, the most interesting one of this whole setup is the Wallabies under Eddie Jones. How good is it having Eddie back in the Southern Hemisphere? They gotta love Eddie. I absolutely love Eddie. love Eddie. I love Eddie. He helped us to the R07 World Cup medal, you know, the second of our three medals that we won. And, you know, a special place in, in my heart for old Eddie, even though, you know, especially because he let, he let the Stormers. That makes me very proud. Me too. Me too. But also, you know, Eddie, tough one. He ended his career with England against the Springboks. Now he comes up first test in charge of the Wallabies against the Springboks yet again. Yeah. No, but look, Eddie is a mastermind. He's definitely going to have a couple of tricks up his sleeve. And it's either going to be a hit or miss. I think the Wallabies are going to either be World Cup contenders or it's going to be a colossal failure. I don't think it will be the latter, though. You know, having chatted to Lucky over the weekend, he said, Eddie's really done a thing for getting excitement about Wallabies rugby again. And it's great to see some Aussie content creators coming out in the wake of that. I like Eddie because he's approachable. And after talking to Matt Proudfoot on the pod, Eddie really is someone that gives back so much to the game. Yeah, and he's a pragmatic coach, right? So he takes things for what they are. He's clever about it. And he's logical about the decisions that he makes. So Look, I think England did him a disservice, really. And, you know, hard luck to Dave Rennie, who lost his position to Eddie. The Wallabies did a great job by, by securing old Eddie. And look, he's done amazing things with his new coaching staff. He's got a hell of a coaching staff. And he's been fishing a couple of league players too. So that'll be interesting to see. It definitely will. And I mean, you look at this Wallabies squad. Eddie's now called back big old Will Skelton from La Rochelle. Big Willie. Massive unit, and he is in form. He's won two back-to-back now Heineken Cup titles, losing the top 14 to Toulouse, but flip that guy's massive, and then also bringing Rory Arnold back from Japan. And that makes me nervous for this weekend's uh, uh, fixture, right? I mean, Rory Arnold and Big Willie as your locks. Those are some, that's a big lock pairing. That's a very big lock pairing, and it's going to be interesting to see how they are deployed. I'm fairly certain Eddie's going to go with a 6-2 split on the bench as well. I'm looking to to counter that. That's probably why we've kept Archea on the bench, but we will get into the squad a little bit later. But Eddie really has the opportunity to gel here. I think he doesn't have much pressure to win the World Cup or the championship, which can also be dangerous because it can really give them that leeway to, to play that Aussie rugby that they used to. The freedom that they're looking for. Exactly. Quay Cooper looking for a barber in Joburg. Yeah. That spells danger as well. You know, fly for the <laughs> slick haircut can, can be a little bit problematic. So we'll have to see what goes on there. That's a great comment. Well done. Thanks, Ronald. And then over to the Springboks. We did chat about their squad. It's, it's a bulky squad. There's a lot of players. It's allowing them to do the split squad system, which is great. But in total, very happy with who is in the box squad at the moment. I think it was largely expected, the majority of those players. I don't think there are many surprises. I think the Jean Klein was, for me, the biggest surprise of the lot. But other than that, the team's been stable for, uh, for I'd say, years now. Yeah, it is a very stable team, very stable squad. The boys know what, what it's all about. A little bit boring. Yeah, so it's great to see that the guys have been in camp for so long. They've obviously switched into test mode now. But before we get into the match day 23, Ronnie, what are your, what are the Los Pumas aiming for out of the rugby championship? Look, it's difficult with the rugby championship now. I don't think anybody, any of the four teams are actually playing to win, right? I think they all have one eye on, on the World Cup. And anybody that's smart about this could actually win the rugby championship because the others are looking elsewhere. Look, I think the Los Pumas are just going to aim to not be the wooden spoon again. Yeah, by all means, they've got a big opportunity to you know, to put some big performances against the other three. 
Yeah, I think for each team, it's it's got varying factors. I think Los, Los Pumas will want to win in Argentina against All Blacks. They've now done it twice in New Zealand, but never at home. Well, once in Australia. Well, once in Australia, sorry. I'd... So I think Los Pumas will definitely be targeting that game. They will then play Asia and Oz in Oz. So that's a big one for them. They're going to put everything into that one. What about the Wallabies, Ronnie? What do they have most to lose? I think the Wallabies... I don't think they have much to lose. I think they've got everything to gain, though. So I wouldn't say that they've got everything much to lose. They haven't put together incredible performances or strung together incredible consecutive performances over the years. But with Eddie there, things can change. They're going to do, they can potentially do exceptionally well. And they're going to be that sort of dark horse in the rugby championship, but also in the World Cup. So look, I mean, like the other teams, they are looking to build one eye on the World Cup, the, the Eddie Jones factor could come into play and the Wallabies could really surprise everybody. So I don't think they have much to lose, but they've got everything to gain. Yeah, I think you're right. The Wallabies have very little pressure on them and they're an unknown quantity at the moment. Eddie would have stripped that team down, rebuilt it from the base up. And I mean, after ending their year last year with a loss to Italy, there really is only one way that they, this team can go up. That's it. So the big question, only two games. Can the Wallabies take the bladder slow? Yes, I hope so. How epic would that be? <laughs> really hope so, because you guys spoke about it in that in that collaboration that with, with with the black jersey two game two match tournaments or two match deciders. It's not ideal, so we really hope that the Wallabies can back to back wins against the All Blacks. I get me. Well, it would be great to see if the Wallabies could take that one. Eddie Jones, I'm pretty sure that would be his focus out of this whole scenario. But also, if Foster manages to retain the Bledisloe. Razor stands at the chance of being the first coach in some 20 years to surrender the Bledisloe to Eddie because it's going to happen under Eddie's command. Eddie can win it, but I don't see Razor losing it. So maybe if you're right, then look, it's, it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to happen with Ian Foster now. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see. I think that that's been Eddie's focus. What about the All Blacks, Ronnie? Yeah, so for, in my opinion, they're the only ones that have a lot to lose or the most to lose, right? Because I think the expectation over the last 20 years is that the All Blacks are going to win. Whatever test match they, they're playing, they are going to win. And, and that plays on you, right? So when you're not winning and everybody expects you to win, that's going to hammer your confidence. And so if the All Blacks don't actually win the rugby championship, they're going to go into the World Cup very uncertain. And I think this is going to be their opportunity to regain a bit of respect, regain their, their dominance a bit. But if they don't actually do it, unlike the other teams, it's it's going to hurt their confidence a lot. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, the All Blacks could really face a disaster here. If they were to lose in, in Mendoza this weekend, they then face the box. And if the box topple them, I mean, the Springboks are in New Zealand now while the Kiwis aren't even there. So, yeah. you know, that definitely gives a bit of an advantage. And then should they lose the Bledisloe? I mean, it would be absolute chaos. Dark days. I actually think you might even see Razor taking over the team before the World Cup, should that happen. <laughs> the land of the long white cloud is going to be a long dark cloud. Yeah, that's for sure. So I think New Zealand definitely have the most to lose. Springboks largely focusing on this as a re-entry into game mode. I think they definitely stand the chance of winning this, especially how they've split the squad. But yeah, not much to lose either for the box. Yeah, look, and the mere fact that they are splitting their squads like this, you know, shows you that, that Rassi or, or Rasnaba, as I like to call Rassi and Ninaba, 
you know, they've got a plan. They're going to blood a lot of players and they're going to get game time for everybody so that when we get to the World Cup, these likes are going to hit the ground running. Yeah, I think you're definitely right there, Ronnie. It's, it's, it's going to be an incredible competition. Great to have Southern Hemisphere rugby back. I think before we dive into the Springbok 23, let's just check out what's been happening in the under 20s, Ronnie, because some hectic action there over the weeks. I don't actually want to talk about the under 20s, but sure, if we have to. So we're going to go back to Thursday. Obviously, the pod's released on a Wednesday, so we didn't get to cover these games yet. But a terrible time for the Southern Hemisphere. Ireland under 20s beating the Aussies 30-10. Then we saw France 35-14 baby blacks. Wales 41-19 Japan. Then the box losing to Italy 34-26. Well, you saw that by now. Everyone should have seen that video that the Italian captain Psyching up his players. Yeah, I would have ran through a building. Yeah, un- unbelievable, really. I'm pretty sure Vin Diesel gets a team talk like that before he <laughs> headbutts a tank. So yeah, incredible from the Italians. They put the Springboks away. It was a shocking performance, but also a shocking state of the field there. The weather had not played nice for them. Then we went on and Georgia beat Argentina 20-0. Yeah, yeah. So we spoke about that, though, right? Georgia doing exceptionally well. Their, their junior team's doing really well. And uh, well done, Georgia. Yeah, and then rounding off Thursday's results was England 53, Fiji 7. Also a big score from the English. Not something you want to see there either. No. Then, Ronnie, whilst we're recording now, the baby box are about to kick off, so we won't be able to cover that one. But Georgia beat Italy 30-17. And that's telling, right? So Italy beat Springboks. Georgia coming off with a win in the previous game and then again against Italy. Honestly, Georgia could win the under-20 yeah. championship. Although they do look like 40-year-old men, they are playing very, very well for <laughs> under-20s. <laughs> Ireland get the win over Fiji, 47-27. Australia drew to England, 22-22. Mm-hmm. So, Ronnie, over then to the Springboks team that was named. So, I know you are leading me into this, but look, I'm going to take the opportunity to congratulate you, young Nicholas. Uh, yesterday, I went over to your place. We played a bit of Xbox rugby where I beat you, and uh, sure you did. But before that, you you showed me the team that you thought would play, and credit to your stalking skills. So you've been stalking the Springboks, and you managed to work out based on the color of the bibs that they were wearing who was going to be where, and you basically broke down with the exception of a couple of players here and there, two or three, you got the team spot on. So well done. If only you, you were as good with Super Brew. I'll give credit where it's due. You picked the team and you got it 99% accurate. I'll listen to you, Ronnie. Yeah, so the mistakes I made there, I thought Archia would be starting and Ori on the bench. So that's that's where I missed out on. But yeah, great to see the Springboks team has been named. So just taking a look at the front row there, you've got Ox, Bongi and Franz Malherber. Ox is carrying a bit of a pick injury that he picked up in training. So Stephen Kitsoff has not yet departed for New Zealand. He will likely... Just wait to see that Ox is in the clear first. Bongi, France, can't really complain about that at all. Can't complain. That's a very strong forward back of front row. Then we have a debut at four. Jean Klein coming in. Yeah, so we'll unpack this a little bit later, right? But Jean Klein, surprise, surprise. Okay. Yeah. Island International playing for the Springboks. There we go. So he becomes a Springbok this weekend at Loftus. He's joined in the locks there by Marvin Ori. Strong loose trio as well. Marku Eskom van Staden, Peter Stefter Toy, and Dwayne Thor Vermeulen has been named as captain. I'm most excited about the Eskom. Yeah. Right. So, uh, Marku van Staden, honestly, I'm very stoked for, to see him there. 
getting his chance to start against the Wallabies. Yeah, guys from the Corsa commentary, I have to hear you scream load shedding when he makes a tackle. <laughs> <laughs> load shedding. It's, it's just a thing now. It has to happen. But Ronnie, possibly what excites me the most about this team is this back line. So we've got Kurbus Reinach at 9, Marnie Lubbock at 10, Kane and Moody on the one wing, Kurtley Lee on the other, Andre Esterhazen at 12, Lucanio Am returns from injury at 13, and Vili LaRue at fullback. Vili LaRue? Vili LaRue. Yeah, so we've spoken about this before, and the Springboks are known to build combinations out of their 9-10s. And for me, it's going to be interesting to see how Kubis Reinach performs with Marnie Lubbock. I see them both as runners of the ball, right? So typically you'd have a nice little running 9 and a, and a 10 that likes to distribute the ball. But I've, I don't know how this is going to work. I think this has to be one of the paciest backlines the Springboks have ever named. Because 9 and 10, you've got two very quick players that love to run with the ball. Then you've got Kanan Moody and Kirtley Aronser outside. But I think the crucial element that the Bok coaches got right here is the inclusion of Vili LaRue of Lucanio Am. Because those are two players that neatly tie this backline together with some nice experience. We know Lucanio Am is our defensive captain and Vili LaRue is going to give a wealth of experience to the young wingers. So Vili likes to put players into space. And I think that that's going to combine really well with Quivis Reinach, who potentially is nippy around the fringes. So that if, you know, they're going to really balance each other out. And we know that the 10s and 15s in the spring box interchange right throughout the game. Usually you've got a 10 standing on the one side, the 15 on the other side. So you've got two passing options for the nine. But it's going to be really interesting. And I do agree with you. Vili Lahu, yeah, he's, he's made me nervous in the past, but I think I rely and I'm backing him. Yeah, I think this backline really has the potential to fire. I like Andre Estes in a 12. You know, he's used to playing with Marcus Smith over at Harlequins. So very similar number 10 to Marnie Lubbock. So hopefully those two can gel quite nicely. But I really am excited to see what Marnie's passing ability can do linking up with the likes of Lucanio Am in the centers. And Estehazen, big ball carrier. He's probably the slowest in that backline. Yeah. Still very fast though. And uh, you made mention of the fact that he plays with a young Marcus Smith. So that could be very interesting. A lot of potential here. So very keen to see how this one goes. Then just looking at the bench, Ronnie, we have Joseph Dweber, Thomas the Tank, Vincent Koch, Archie Sneijman, Ivan Roos, Dion Ferry, Grant Williams, and Damien Willemser. 6-2 split. 6-2 split, taking on another 6-2 split. And Grant Williams may be quicker than Corbus Reinach, so you're just bringing on pace for pace and huge threats around the fringes. Damien Willemser, where is he going to come on as? I think Damien Willemser is a great option there to come on at 10, 12, or 15. But most likely come on and replace Marnie. I think he'll most likely come on at 12. 12? If stays an off, Marnie on the field. I would be surprised if Marnie doesn't get the full 80. Sure, okay. So that'll be great to see. I mean, imagine having Arkeas Neyman, Ivan Roos, and Dion Ferri unleashed on you in the last 30 minutes as well. Well, well we hope that Ivan Roos doesn't lose his mind to give away a couple of unnecessary penalties. True, especially facing up with someone like Skelton. Joseph Dweber, hopefully he's put his line-out woos behind him. And Thomas Detoy, interestingly enough, covering Lucid prop this time. He can play on both sides, so he's like Trevor and Yocani. Yeah, so that's giving the, the, the box the option of including Vincent Koch then as well. But all in all, Ronnie, people saying this is a B-side. I just want to point out to everyone, in the starting lineup, there are seven World Cup winners, all of which started the final. Then you've got four of them on the bench. That's a total of 11 out of 23 World Cup winners here. So do the math. It's just under half your team having won a medal. Yep. 
And I mean, looking at the side, how lucky are the Springboks that they can put this team out and then still have a huge number of players over in New Zealand, the likes of Kitsov, Marks, Etzebeth, Lurt, Sos, Quacha, Alton, Dialende, Creel, Mapimpi, Colby, Fuff, Jaden, Herschel. Forgot that they played. Unbelievable. You look at this team and you're like, yeah, this is sick. And then those names I read out, all slotting in there. The Springboks have actually gone about developing depth pretty well. No, they have. I agree. And we've said it already. The team's been relatively stable for a long time. And Rassi did an exceptional job when he came in 2018, building depth. And Jacques Nino was just built on that. And honestly, we've got, we've got serious depth. We really have depth. And it's very impressive. It's great to see. But Ronnie, I'm interested for your thoughts then on Dwayne Thorfemulin as captain. Yeah, okay. So you called that as well. I said, look, I would be captain. But yeah, Dwayne, well done. Well, I've looked Nelspreet all the way. I mean, they make us Lofelders with bloody strong. <laughs> Great captains too. So I think it's interesting that Dwayne's been made captain. You know, these are probably his last games as a Springbok in South Africa. So great send off and tribute to a man that's given so much to the jersey. I do think the fact that he's a forward also played a role in him being named as captain. Generally, coaches do tend to prefer, prefer someone closer to the rucks and, and malls and all of that so that they can be in the refs. Yeah, especially eighth men, right? So we're the smartest. But you didn't play eighth man. I did. You did. Can't be the smartest then. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Ronnie, that's all in all, I'm happy. Yeah, i I got to say I'm very pleased. I thought the team was, well, pretty much as expected. And like we say, well, all those other players that are over in in Kiwi land, you know, they're pre- prepping and just to bolster this current team with all those players that have gone over there. Oh, watch out, All Blacks. Yep, it's going to be epic to see. A couple of these guys like Peter Steph to Toy, Dwayne, Lucanio Am, Marnie, Vili, Damien Valimso will likely all feature again next week. They'll be hopping on a plane from OR Tambo straight after the game, in fact. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'm very happy. Five past five kickoff. Loftus is opening at one o'clock at the beer tent. Yeah, one o'clock the beer tent opens. It's going to be lacquer, guys. So Ronnie, then I think we just need to have a chat about Regulation 8. I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, so I did a bit of reading about that today, like you instructed me to do, boss. But please, hit me with some knowledge. So for those that don't know, Regulation 8 is now the eligibility law that's been changed, allowing players that haven't played rugby for the country that they were first capped for to make a change if they have a strong familial link to this country. I'm going to start with the one that blew my mind the most today when I was researching this. All right. Portugal have made application under Regulation 8 for a scrum half. Can you guess the scrum half, Ronald? If you're going to tell me it's Ricky January, I'm going to fall over. (laughs) That would have been epic. That would have been epic. Morgan Parra. No way. He's still playing rugby. He's still playing rugby. So he's eligible for Portugal. His grandmother is from there no, and he be. could still turn out for them. That can't be. That's, I promise you. Unbelievable. Jeepers. So this is, it's, it's actually bonkers, the number of players that are now eligible under this. Not all of them making the transfers, but let's start with Tonga. Okay, so Tonga is definitely a concern of mine going into the World Cup. I'm just going to put that out there because having seen the players that you're about to list off that made it there, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, so Tonga in the Springboks pool, like Ronnie says, they have added the likes of Israel Falau, Lopeti Tamani, and Adam Coleman, all previous Wallabies to their squad. And then they've gone and topped it up with a couple of All Blacks and Charles Piatau, Via Fafita, Malachi Fekitoa, 
George Moala and Augustine Pulu. If you don't know who Malachi Fekatoa is, Patrick Lambie made a try-saving tackle against him in Ellis Park. In front of us. In front of us. It was bloody epic. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's one thing. Tonga looks pretty lethal. Yeah. Pool of death for sure. Pool B. Then we go over to Fiji. They've been able to call on the services of Nathan Hughes, the former England international. Then they've got Tekele Nairavoro. Henry Spate, Tevita Kurandrani is eligible, but may not make that transition. You've got Ben Volavola, Josua Tuisova, and Wasia Nayakalevu, all eligible for the Fijians now. Hectic. Scotland. All the South Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly not. There's an Aussie in there, Jack Dempsey, mm-hmm. and John Cooney, the Irish scrum off. Yeah, okay, so I'll let that slide. Any of the British and Irish British and Irish Lions nations, I'm happy if they interchange because they're all they're all pretty much the same country. Sorry, enough. I don't I don't want to upset anybody. Then Ronnie, Samoa. Now this one absolutely blew my mind because this is ridiculous. Okay, hit me. Fritz Lee, the former All Black Sevens player. Julian Sevilla. The bus. Lima Supuaga. Ooh, there we go. Denny Solomano from England. Charlie Farmawina. Oh, no way. Stephen Luatua. Oh. Jordan Tafua. Sure. Victor Vito. Oh, my word. Tim Nanai Williams. Unbelievable. Joey Tamani. Josh Yowani. Jeff Tumaga Allen. Oh. And Christian Leliofano. No. It, I promise you, I didn't just edit out like a Wallabies All Blacks team here. That's they've basically You've basically listed the top five players that I always played in my fantasy rugby team. Oh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable that these guys are all available to Samoa. And Christian Lilofano, what a legend. To yeah. come back from where he has, the disease that he had to battle to get back into rugby, well, bloody done. And I mean, it's just recently everyone's talking about Josh Iwani as a potential All Blacks 10, and here he is for the Samoa squad now. Has Josh Iwani played for the All Blacks yet? One test. Okay, so this is where we need to get to the next point. So I read that once you make the move, you can't make it again. Correct. So he so, can't come back. So he can't come back. So is that Joshuani? Is he making the right move? Well, I suppose with the lack of death at 10 after Bodhi and Richie leave to Japan at the end of the year, maybe he's he could have filled into that void. But then again, you've got DMAC who's now available. You've got DMAC available. But the reason I br- brought that up was I just felt that bringing Jean Clan into the Springbok mix could be doing a, him a disservice if we don't actually end up playing him regularly, regularly at the Springboks. For sure. But Ronnie, now the most crazy one for Samoa. Oh no, there's more. I thought you listed them all. Ma Nanu. No. <laughs> Ma Nanu is available to Samoa. Okay, he's available, but he's not going to play. You never know. He's still playing rugby in America. That, that would there's be no insane. Way. There's no way. There's a bigger one. If you tell me like Ben Smith is going to run out for somebody, then I'm going to lose it. Sergio Parise. For who? Los Pumas. No. <laughs> absolutely bonkers he's captained italy to 100 losses and now he could potentially play for los pumas flip the script and play for los pumas there's no way that they're going to make that work it's there though the opportunity italy will back him and and having played so much for italy there's no way sergio priest is going to play in the world cup he's going to play for italy and then the last one he has come out and declared himself available is former all black to Kobalo, teammate of big willie skelton there at la rochelle he is available to Eddie Jones. Mm, unbelievable. Yeah. This blew my mind when I researched this. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is great for the Pacific nations. It honestly. also just shows how many 
players are stolen by the All Blacks and the Wallabies. Maybe that's why the, the Kiwis aren't doing so well. Yeah, maybe we should stop giving the Scottish and Irish so much shit for having <laughs> South Africans. <laughs> yeah, so that that absolutely blew my mind. That was really crazy to see. Ronnie, Mark Jersey, we haven't touched on that. That was released today. Initial thoughts? I thought, I think the, the green jersey is great. I like the vertical stripes. Kind of reminds me a bit of a, of a, of a soccer jersey. Faint vertical stripes. I, I do like it. And I do like with the location of all the logos. Obviously, we'll see the Springbok move onto the sleeve for the World Cup. But other than that, I think the green jersey is fantastic. The alternative jersey is where I have a bit of an issue because I don't know where the turquoise comes from. Yeah, that's definitely a bit of a thing. A lot of people thinking it's a training jersey. I quite like it. I can't really give a reason why. I do enjoy the design. It's not a jersey that they're going to play in much. And I was talking about it at the office today. Who wants to buy a white jersey? So maybe this is from a marketing perspective, a more sellable jersey. Yeah, sure. You could be right. But I've always had a thing for the white jersey. But yeah, turquoise college doesn't sit with me. If you're going to pick blue, you should pick it right off the South African flag. Correct, correct. I'll give you that, Ronnie. What do you make of the stripes on the jersey? No, I like it. I really do. Which are we talking about? The alternative or the green jersey? The green jersey. No, I, I really like that. It's reminiscent of soccer jerseys, right? So the vertical stripes are really cool. I think it was a very good tactic to make Franz Malherber look like Urban <laughs> Etzebeth ahead of kickoff. <laughs> That's very slimming, absolutely. <laughs> it's better than the horizontal stripe yeah. anyways, probably. So that also quite enjoyed that. I'm not such a fan of the gradient color as you go up the jersey. It is very subtle. I think we could have done without that, though. Saw some comments on the page, which had me laughing a little bit. Great that Vodacom's not our sponsor, because MTN is huge on the jersey. What do you make of that logo size? No, it's always been there. And when, I think when the MTN logo first came, a lot of people were talking about it being a target on our jersey, you know, just helping the opposition know where they need to tackle us. Yeah, so guys there saying, you know, the logo size is huge. But I mean, these days, sponsors want bang for their buck. So it has to be that we'll move for the World Cup as those logos are not permitted there. Bang for their buck. But a couple of people saying, oh, guys, meet the MTNs. (laughs) (laughs) Not great, but at least the color somewhat matches up with the box. On the note of color, though, how good is it to see that the gold has returned to the jersey? Yeah, absolutely. That's That's really cool. I like the collar, too. The collar is very cool. Yeah, so for those that didn't notice yet, the collar has South African flags underneath the fold. Is that what it was? And on the inside is written stronger together. Yeah, I saw that on the inside of the of the collar. Yeah, and like. then the bottom of the jersey as well has the Springbok flag stitched into it. So they'll be available on Friday from the 7th of July. Box, what about Box Friday? I wanted to wear this to work. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to have to go in early. Yeah, I'm going to have to go in early. But Ronnie and Mike, you commented this on our page. If you listen to the pod, please drop me a message. You have 100% wanted yourself some punted merch now. Your comment was... Isn't it so nice of Nike to have included in Braille on the jersey? Fuck them up physically. <laughs> and that's those little patches on the chest. Yeah, I know. I looked at that and I thought, what, what is there any purpose behind that sort of on the chest over the breasts? Yeah, well, it's Braille for fuck them up physically. Right? Yeah, well, so that's, that's the Springbok. Makes sense. <laughs> so, Mike, please do get in touch. You have won yourself some punted merch. That was a lack of comment. I really had a it's good a laugh comment. at it. Ronnie? We have a new Super Brew Pool starting this weekend. You're ready to lose in it. We have a new Super Brew Pool, and I just, I've been struggling to find uh, an occasion where you actually beat me. But yeah, so we've got the Super Brew Pool. The, uh, the code, I don't know what do you call it. The pool okay. code is uh, Lima Ores. R-L-I-M-A-O-R-E-S. L-I-M-A-O-R-E-S. So that's the code. Join us. 
and join me in beating Nick. Yeah, so the whole Punter team will be there. Ronnie and me, Belinda, Liam, Um, Harry, we're all in that pool, so it'll be lucky to play you guys. Help us keep Ronnie out of the top six because he still hasn't shut up about the Super Rugby. <laughs> Ronnie, as we're speaking, I see that the Bulls have just signed Vili LaRue. Big signings. No, from you're them. joking. Vili LaRue going Vili to the Lahu. Bulls, coming to Loftus. So they went and signed a number of the Sharks mm. youngsters out of the side there, but they've also added the Angry Warthog, Akar van der Mover. Yeah, that's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant buy for them or signing for them. I think most years we talk about the Sharks being always winning the transfer battle and, and the signing battle, but looks like the Bulls winning, are winning it outright this time. Yeah, so the Bulls signing some good players. They have let Spoo and Corsi go. For Spoo, we just hope the best for him. Hopefully, I think a move to the Stormers could probably benefit him. Some guidance from old Dabo there. And then, Ronnie, some pretty good news. I'm very happy that we're sharing it on the podcast. Derek Hogarth out of hospital. Great. That's fantastic to hear. So he's gone home. Is that it? He's gone home. He's walking. So very, very happy to hear that. Like a leaflet. Then we have Sia Kulisi. He's on nine weeks post-surgery. I don't know if you saw any of his gym videos, but he looks like he's getting back to strength, which is very, very great to see. And hopefully he'll be turning out in a Bok jersey very soon. Oh, look, no need to rush him back, right? We know what we have in him. I'm not going to agree with that on a recording, Ronnie. (laughs) (laughs) And then just some very sad news and our condolences go out to the family of Greg Oliver. He passed away in Cape Town with a hang gliding accident yesterday or paragliding. And, you know, our thoughts go out to Munster, to the Irish side and to his friends and family back home. It's a tragedy and not something we ever want to see. Ronnie, what do you make of this week's Mayfork Chom confession? That's brilliant. This this one had me laugh. So please do uh, drop us your address. We will be sending you some Mayfork Chom merch. But this one had me in stitches. So. Hey guys, really had a laugh at last week's confession, so thought I would share mine. I'm not sure if it's worse than Ronnie's trip. I think he's talking about when you were a goalie. In hockey. In yeah. hockey. No, that <laughs> takes a cake for being very bad because I played hockey. You can decide that. So here we go. I was playing for Kez first team at the Easter Festival a few years ago. It was the last game for us. We'd won our previous two, but were behind in this one with a few minutes left. I got put into the nicest gap by Gareth, R10, and I was clean, pacing my way to the try line past the 22, and then my legs just disappeared from under me. (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea what happened, and next second, the eighth man was on top of me like a grizzly going for a salmon. (laughs) Only after the game did I see the tape, and my shoelaces were the problem. Long story short, we lost 35-24 to Trinity House. Yeah, that's unfortunate. eh? I would never let my teammate forget that. Tripping like that, I can imagine you face planted quite well. And well done for that eighth man for keeping the chase if you were clean through, like you say. So yeah, shot for sharing that story. Guys, please don't forget to share yours with us. You could feature on the pod. You could win yourself some lacquer merch. And plus, isn't it lacquer hearing everyone's stories, how they're involved in the game? Doesn't matter whether you're a player, coach, fan, where the story comes from. We want to hear it, guys. Absolutely. Lucky everybody. Well then, thanks for joining us this week. Loftus this weekend is going to be a cracker. Wear your Springbok jersey on Friday. Yeah, Bok Friday. Spoke to all your bosses. There we go. You got it from Ronnie. If you write us, Ronnie will give you a letter for your boss that you can wear the Bok jersey. Absolutely. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bra while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop, 
or the speed of a winger. But we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all, light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.